Where do you go for answers to the big questions of life? Talking about questions like, what's it all about? What is the meaning of human existence? Why am I here on this earth? Is there a God? Is he good? If he is good, why do suffering and evil exist in the world? Does God have a will? If he does, can I know that will in my life? What happens when we die? Is that the end of it all, or is there something afterward, something after death? If there is a life after death, what will that life be like? Those are just some of the big questions that we ponder in our lives. And it's good that we do, because if we don't, if we do not try to find answers to the basic, fundamental questions of human existence, our lives will lack meaning. Our lives will lack purpose. They'll also lack real joy, because there can be no real joy in a meaningless life. Some people, of course, will look to the Bible for answers to the big questions, and that's good. At least it's a good start. Problem is, my brothers and sisters, the Bible always needs an interpreter. By quoting one or two verses of the Bible out of context, you can pretty much justify anything. Other people will look to science for the answers. The other day I came across a book online that was written by the late, great physicist Stephen Hawking. The title of the book was, interestingly enough, Brief Answers to the Big Questions. I didn't have time to read the book this week, but I did do a little research on it, and I discovered in the book, Hawking addresses some of the very same questions I mentioned at the beginning of this homily. There's only one problem here. Stephen Hawking was a scientist. He was not a philosopher. He was not a theologian. This means that his opinion on issues like whether or not God exists is worth as much as my opinion on whether or not black holes exist. As a scientist, he didn't have the competence to make definitive statements on matters of philosophy and theology any more than I have the competence to make definitive statements on matters of science. You know, our world today tends to treat scientists as if they're experts on everything, but they're not. Now, personally, I choose to look for my answers to life's big questions in the same place that the early Christians did. And where exactly did they look? They looked to the church. They looked to the one true church established by Jesus Christ and to the apostles he had chosen to guide and shepherd that church here on earth. We see a great example of this, a perfect example of this, in today's first reading from Acts 15. Here the early Christians were dealing with a question that's not very big to us in 2019, but was huge for them in the first century. Of course, the reason it's not big for us today is because it was big to them back then, and they dealt with it. The question was, 
What about the Gentiles? What about people who are not Jewish? We know Jesus wants everyone to be saved, Jew and Gentile alike. He made that clear to Peter. But do Gentile converts to the faith need to observe the Mosaic Law as Christians? Are they bound by all the Jewish ceremonial laws in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible? And do the men have to be circumcised? Some Jewish converts at the time were saying, yes, they do have to be circumcised. They do have to observe the Mosaic Law. And this was causing a split in the community. As we heard in our first reading, it says there, some men came down to Antioch from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to Mosaic practice, you cannot be saved. This created dissension and much controversy between them and Paul and Barnabas. This was a very contentious issue. And the problem was not only theological, it was also very practical. Let me put it to you in this way. Imagine for a moment that you are a 40 or 50 year old Gentile man living in the city of Antioch at this time. You hear Paul, you hear Barnabas preach about Jesus on several occasions and you're intrigued. In fact, you're more than intrigued. You're actually thinking of getting baptized and becoming a Christian. Then you meet some of these Jewish Christians from Judea and they say to you, friend, it's wonderful that you're thinking of becoming a follower of Jesus. We rejoice with you. We're overjoyed. But remember something. Remember that becoming a Christian also means that you have to observe all the ritual laws of Moses, all the dietary laws, all the purification rituals, all the laws of animal sacrifice. And it means first and foremost, that you have to be circumcised as soon as possible. That would definitely get me to think twice <laughs> about my decision. That would tone down my excitement big time at the thought of converting to Christianity. I'm sure most, if not all, of the guys here this morning would feel the same way. Anesthesia in the first century, remember, was not what it is today. So what did they do with this question? What did Paul and Barnabas and the others do to get this big question about the Gentiles answered? Since Jesus had not addressed the issue directly in his ministry. Well, very simply, they took it to the Pope and to the bishops who were in union with him. That is to say, they took the issue to Peter and the other apostles who happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. We didn't hear the whole story in this gospel. We heard part of it. But they met in council there in Jerusalem, they prayed, they talked, they reflected on the matter, and finally they reached a decision. A decision that they and the whole community believed was from God himself. That's why in their final decree, as we heard a few moments ago, they said, it is the decision of the Holy Spirit, and ours too. In other words, this is not just our opinion on the matter, this is what Jesus Christ, who has given us the charism to faithfully interpret his words. This is what Jesus Christ would say if he were physically present here with us right now. That is why I would maintain that the two most important books every Catholic should own are number one, the Bible, and number two, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. 
The Bible is the Word of God. But as I said earlier, the Word of God needs an interpreter. Always. Otherwise, it can be misused and misinterpreted to say whatever a person wants it to say. So whenever we face a big question in this life, we should look to those two books first before we look anywhere else. We should look to the Bible, yes, but we should also read what the Catechism says about the matter in question because the Catechism faithfully interprets what the Bible says. If we do those two things, my brothers and sisters, the good news is we will be well on our way to finding the answer. The answer that we're looking for.